1: We've learned a lot in just three spring training games. We're going to tell you exactly what that is on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go.
0: You are locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: You are locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter or check us out on YouTube and drop a thought in our comment section. Talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you locked on reds is part of the locked on podcast network we are your team every day and thanks as always for making us your first listen uh now when it comes to today and when it comes to us talking Reds, steve this has been a nice little three game stretch to begin the spring um the score wasn't very nice in game three but hey As they say, if you're good in spring training, you're not going to be good in the regular season. So the Reds are under 500 in spring training. Print the playoff ticket. Oh,
1: sorry. Oh, easy there, big guy. But what do you feel? But but there are some there are some really good takeaways from these first three games, and we're going to start with one that just makes you look pretty right and that is will benson is very quickly cementing his spot as the center fielder number one on this cincinnati reds team
2: dude and 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 i know people are going to say you're overreacting
1: i don't care
2: what he has done in these first three games has been phenomenal i mean even you've got to have seen that is the fact that he is showing his base running ability he is showing his athleticism He's showing his pop. I know he hadn't hit a home run yet, but all of those hit balls have been barrels. I am sure of that. He's got a couple of steals, got a couple of runs scored. That amazing diving catch or sliding catch. I guess diving sounds a little bit dramatic, but a nice sliding catch in center field, where as Chris Welsh, Welsh pointed out, if you can play center field in Goodyear, you can definitely play
1: center field in Cincinnati. Yeah. For those of you that have not been out to Arizona and seen the reds at the Goodyear baseball complex, that feels a little big. Um, it it definitely plays bigger than great American ballpark. So I think Chris Welsh's point was pretty spot on in that. If you can cover all of that territory out in Goodyear, when you get to the friendly confines of great American ballpark in Cincinnati, you're going to have a much easier time of it, covering the ground and directing the outfielders. So Benson's defense, I love what he's doing out there. Uh, his at bats have looked great. Now uh, I know that I know he's not hit for a ton of power as far as driving the ball into the stands, but he's been making great contact. He's really been barreling up on the ball. He's had great exit velocity. He's been able to, you know, draw attention at this point, I think uh, to everybody that's watching to see what he's going to do and to see what the reds are going to do as far as the center field situation goes. Now, I don't know if you caught it today, uh, but Welsh, even said at one point you know while the reds are trying to figure out the outfield you know that nick senzel might be the plan b at this point not the plan a and i think that's where i'm sitting right now too i think that uh the more success that will benson has uh the more i think nick senzel's days at least as a primary starter are numbered
2: And, uh, by the way, that's Ohio sportscaster of the year, Chris Walsh. So he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about Will Benson in that vein. He also had something else. And real quick, I know we talked a lot about Will Benson and you have a couple of other uh, observations you want to get to, but he said that in his batting stance, he's actually kind of moved his hands when he played for Cleveland, kind of had his hands in, and it was a little bit more of a Jason Hayward style, like batting stance. And he felt like because of that, he was getting beat in on the hands quite a bit. So he moved his hands back in his stance. And really, that second hit that he had today, the single through the right side, it was an inside pitch that he was able to turn around on and put it into right field. I, I'm i very happy with what I've seen from him so far. Kind of like what we said, we were looking to see is he going to get beat bad does he have good plate discipline i'm not necessarily caring about the number of hits or what kind of hits just how does he get those hits and all of them have looked like very good hits he's not cheating he's not he's you know he's not getting lucky or anything like that this is the real deal
1: Well, and there's still room on Jeff Carr's Will Benson hype train. So get on now before it's too late because Jeff's been right so far about this guy in center field. Uh, One of the other things that I've looked at these first three games, Jeff, and that have been very pleasing to me is the performance of some of the younger players that while we are counting on them for the future, we weren't counting on them for this year, and they're out in Goodyear right out of the gate making the most of their opportunities while they're able to play with the big league players at big league camp. I'm talking about guys like Matt McClain. I'm talking about guys like Christian Incar- Incarnation Strand. Man, I struggle with that name. Uh, just to name a few, uh, Noelvi Marte is a third guy, and you know of those dudes, you know McClain probably is the next guy up. He'll be the soonest. To Cincinnati, followed by CES and Noel V. Marte. Uh, so, seeing what they're doing right now is, you know exciting. And it it, it makes me very happy. Uh, McLean, I know you talked about, I I was out yesterday. Uh, McLean still hasn't made an out. He's two for two with a walk in his first two spring training games, including a walk off home run, uh, to start things off on the right foot for the Reds. So I love the way he's performed. Noel V Marte has had good at bats. Uh, while he hasn't hit for any power yet, he's been making good contact. Uh, he's got on base. He's played great defense, I like what I'm seeing from him. And then CES today had great at-bats. You know, he really got out there and delivered. So, you know, those are the things we're looking for because while we're not expecting any of those three dudes barring some kind of catastrophe to break camp with the big league club, it's nice to see them taking it seriously and making the most of those opportunities early in 2023 spring training.
2: CES missed a dinger by about a but it was just a little bit short there in that right field wall and ended up getting an extra base hit out of it. He's he looked good against the Rangers on Monday. And when you're looking at Matt McClain, I I was kind of hoping we'd see him again. He played the first two games. So I'm guessing they wanted to give him a little bit of a day off there. But when you looked at what he did, That was the nice thing to see is the power. And yes, I know that there were some people that were saying, come on, it was a spinning cutter at 91 in the middle of the plate. Every single person in the world is going to hit that home run, going to hit that for a home run. Okay. Maybe not every single person in the world, but every person on that field in the, in those dugouts, probably were going to be able to do that. But still, that is the one thing that we talked about last year is that he wanted to add power He instead added strikeouts, and so he's like, maybe I need to reassess a little bit. Maybe this is his reassessment. He goes back to his old style of hitting, to his old approach, but he gets the results that he was hoping to get with his new approach last year. If that is the case, we should see him in Cincinnati sooner rather than later, and we should be talking about how they get him on the field because his first two games he played shortstop and second base. Um, I kind of think those are going to be two tough spots for him to play Given that, you know, especially if L.A. De La Cruz comes up a, a little bit before or around the same time as he does.
1: Well, right field. uh, Sorry, not right field. The right handed portion of the center field platoon may have his name written all over it. Uh, Time will tell. I fully expect that we see Ellie by Memorial Day. I keep saying that. And then I think a realistic projection for Matt McClain, barring injury, speeding up this timeline would be sometime around the all star break in July, I think is probably the right timeline for him. So we'll see, Uh, you know, it is early. It is only three games, but I'm very excited with what we've seen so far. Uh, Same with Noel V Marte. I really want to see him continue to have the good at bats. I want to see him to continue to excel, no matter which of the defensive positions they have him at. He played some shortstop. He's played some third base. Uh, You know, I like the versatility. I like the flexibility that that brings to the lineup with these multiple guys being able to move around. So I I think that they're all doing what they have to do to continue to keep their names front and center uh, when we talk about being excited for the reds future. Uh, The third thing, that I want to get to, Jeff, this is not so exciting. This one's not so promising because would some, anybody, does anyone want to be the second left-hander out of the Reds bullpen? Is there anybody that wants this job? I mean, look, I, my fastball is probably like 72 miles an hour these days. And I know Brantley would call me out on a radio broadcast, but you know, I feel like I could probably do just as well as these other guys have done. Early here in spring, chain, two seems not. generous. I don't know, it might be. It's, listen, <laughs> hey, sh- the you know, the the way that Norris performed in his first outing was not inspiring. Uh, you know, as you pointed out, cowboy called him out, but good on the radio broadcast with what he was bringing to the plate. And then we saw, uh, who did we see today? We saw a young Alex young. Yeah. We saw Alex young today. And I mean, he was okay, but there was nothing from his pitching performance that made me think, all right, let's count on this guy being in the bullpen. So I, I am in full agreement. The reds need to find a second left-hander to come out of that bullpen uh you know reverse San martin cannot be the only left-hander coming out of this bullpen but thus far i haven't seen anybody that has uh seized upon the opportunity early to to take that spot
2: yeah would the real slim shady please stand up uh i don't see anybody right now And, and i know that yeah it's only been one appearance for most of these guys and it's hard to say whether or not they deserve a spot after one appearance but here's the deal these guys are working for a spot i talked about it on yesterday's show There's so much opportunity in this bullpen. They need to take the bull by the horns. They need to get started off on the right foot. And none of these guys have gotten started off on the right foot or the left foot, depending on what foot they start off on. doesn't matter. They haven't started off correctly. They've, they've all kind of limped into spring training. And I, I really hope the reds don't have to force the issue here. And we're talking about, you know, we we've got two lefties, but one of them, you don't really ever want to pitch. But that's really where the opportunity is in this bullpen, and nobody's taking it.
1: Yeah, it's... It's got to be solved. So, you know, this could be the spot. You know, we've talked about this before, Jeff. We've talked about the fact that in spring training, the Reds may be one of those teams that kind of keeps an eye on the waiver wires, keeps an eye on the other camps, keeps an eye on players that may not be able to, to secure a spot with another team and goes and scoops one of those dudes up late in spring training. The second lefty out of the Reds bullpen this year could be one of those guys as far as I'm concerned.
2: Easily. And, you know, Steve, we we saw plenty of rule changes this uh, in these first three games, but uh, we do have a question, and I think we're going to try and answer it. Did Major League Baseball overcorrect with their implementation of the pitch clock? We'll tell you what we think coming up next. But first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, and that is Built Bar. If you're looking for healthy delicious and nutritious look no further than built bar you can go to built.com today and you can use the promo code locked on 15 to save you 15% off or you can go right down the street to Walmart or Sam's Club and pick you up a box today. Built Bar has distributed to Walmart. You can find them in the pharmacy section. Get a four-bar box. Got some great stuff like double chocolate and coconut puff. Coconut puff is phenomenal. The puffs, they're just amazing. And they all fall in line with what Built does. They cover everything in chocolate, and they still somehow make it healthy for you. And this is even a marshmallow puff. Marshmallow covered in chocolate, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. Are you serious? Yes, built is, and you can get them online, get them shipped to you. And if you don't want to wait you can head to Walmart or Sam's club today, the macros on a built bar, help it fit into every single diet. Seriously. Even if you're keto, this stuff is low in carbs. We're talking about like four grams of net carbs when it comes to a, a uh, built bar. So check them out today. They've got amazing flavors. They got a brand new one. The, the animal uh, animal cookie it's kind of like you know an animal cracker uh cookie or something like that the the ones that have the icing on them that if you ever if if for some reason they're ever in my house they're not here for long they could eat very quickly built bar figured out how to turn that into a protein packed built bar yeah built does it don't know how they did it but they do it all the time go check them out built.com or head on down to walmart or sam's club and get you a box today and you'll thank me later Coming up tomorrow on the show, we have a question to answer when it comes to spring training, because what is the most important position battle this spring for the Reds? We'll give you our answer. But Steve, uh, there's been a lot of changes when it comes to the rules, and they've been implementing them this spring training. And There's so many different ones, and we kind of want to touch on all of these and how they've looked in the first three games, but I want to start off with the game clock, because when you look at all of these rule changes, I think that they will help grow the game for those that are like not necessarily big baseball fans. They'll kind of pay attention a little bit more, but for like us diehards, it's probably going to take a moment to catch on because there was a little bit of uh, split camps when it comes to the pitch clock uh, after these first three spring training games.
1: I think you're muted. Can't hear you. I pulled a Jeff. I was muted Ah. still from the commercial break. All right. Sorry about that. Hey, listen, if you had asked me heading uh, just prior to the first spring training game, maybe even after the first spring training game, how I felt about this, my answer would be different than what it is now. Uh, Having now watched multiple games, I've watched all three. Well, two of the Reds games, plus some other games throughout baseball. I don't have a huge problem with the clock. Uh, I agree that it has helped move things along. It is made. There's an extreme example floating around on Twitter right now where somebody took an at bat by David Ross several years back and put it next to one of the half innings from uh, one of the spring training games for the Padres uh, this year. And in the time it took for one pitch to be thrown during that David Ross at bat, they played an entire half inning in the Padres game. (laughs) So yes, it is speeding things up and that was needed in some regards. The players have brought this on themselves. Uh, There are times where I feel like it's rushed. We're talking about a 20 second pitch clock uh, Mm -hmm. with nobody on or yeah. And 15 seconds other way around 15 seconds with nobody on 20 seconds with a runner on Uh, there are clocks within the clock folks. If you may not have picked up on all of this yet, but on the clock, as it's counting down at the nine second (laughs) Mark, The the catcher has to be standing in the catcher's box. At the eight-second mark, the batter has to be in the box and looking at the pitcher ready to hit. He can't just be standing there, fiddling around, looking at the ground. He has to be ready to go. Then those final eight seconds are for the pitcher to come set, and by zero, they have to have started the delivery of the pitch. Uh, At times, I feel like that's a little rushed. Like maybe if it was 25 and 20 instead of 20 and 15, I'd feel just a touch better about it. I feel that it's a little rushed at times. All that being said, uh, the negative impacts that I thought it was going to cause, I've kind of changed my mind on for the most part. Chris Welsh did a great job of explaining it today on the Reds broadcast and helped bring me along even a little bit more as far as what the baseball people are actually thinking. So, you know, I think largely I'm okay with it.
2: I agree. Um, I, I, I am not one that thought that length of games was a problem. I mean, sure, do I, do I love sitting around for a four-hour game? No, but it's not like that happens a lot. However, I, I have kind of liked the idea of the overall game shortening. I mean, think about it. Today was the longest game that they've had in their first three games. Part of that was due to the fact that they allowed the Rangers 13 runs. There were a couple of innings where the Rangers just had a rally and it was just hit after hit after walk after hit. And those are the kind of games... That usually stretched to four hours. This one was only three hours. And let's kind of port that over into the regular season for a minute because kind of like you were talking off air, you talk about a 6.40 start time and you have a two-and-a-half-hour game. You're done at 9.10. You're probably home by 9.30, 9.45, depending on you know how far away you live from the ballpark and what traffic looks like. But you're home before 10 o'clock. That's going to be appealing to a lot more people. I mean, most folks during the season, understand if they're going to the baseball game, they got to block off three to four hours. Now you could say, okay, two and a half, three and a half, something like that. You can enjoy yourself a little bit more knowing that you're not giving up basically, you know, a quarter of your day to go watch a baseball game. Now, again, that's not something that you or I had a problem with. However, I understand the palatability to folks who may not necessarily be the biggest of baseball fans and so, how this affects their want to go to a ballpark?
1: Yeah, I think it'll get more people out during the week. Um, you know, it won't help as much with the school kid crowd uh, while school's still in session. Sure. But I think once schools out, it'll make parents more willing to bring their kids out to the ballpark on a Tuesday night game, knowing they're not going to have to keep the kids out till eleven or midnight to to watch as long a this game get the game. As it doesn't get ballpark. rid of three, two, one Tuesdays, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Priorities, correct. <Exactly. laughs> You know, but there's more. There's more rule changes to this. You know, I mentioned the the clock within the clock, the eight seconds for the batter, and we've talked about that. Uh, there's some other changes as far as the batters go during an at bat. They're only able to call time one time during an at bat, and likewise with the pitchers, they're only able to disengage twice during an at bat. If they disengage or step off a third time, uh, the runner is going to get. A free base. It's a ball. Also, you know, the same works with throwing over. If you throw over a third time and you don't get the out, uh, that's going to create a situation where the runner gets a free base. So here's where I run into a little bit of trouble and and have some concerns about just exactly how strict Major League Baseball is going to be with a few things, because we see it every year. These things I'm going to cite are not far fetched examples. They happen. Example one, when we're in the dog days of summers, you've all seen it on television. The hitter steps into the box. The bugs are swarming on summer nights out at the ballpark and they've got a million bugs on their face and they're trying to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball and they have to call time. If they've already called time, during that at bat, they're not going to get timeout. Are we really expecting some dude to stand in against Hunter Green who's about to bring a ball in at 103 and we're not going to let him call time because he has 100 gnats in his eyeball? Something's got to be allowed for that. Also, we see a lot of rain delays, we see them a lot in Cincinnati are we really going to say that a pitcher can't step off and get the 20 pounds of clay out of his cleat before the next at bat? Because it's going to take more than the five to 10 seconds he has available to him on the clock to get his feet reset and to make a, correction to the mound when there's rain puddles forming on it. There's some specific examples that I think are real world here that I've not heard anybody address in any of these rule seminars or any of these presentations of the rules. So it may be the kind of thing where it has to be dealt with the first time we see it. But I really hope that the umpires have been given some leeway to say, okay, this is not a disengagement. This is a field condition stoppage. We're not counting this against them. Go ahead and get the the clay off your cleats kind of thing.
2: And I feel like, too, I I don't, and and I'm trying to remember back, and I cannot remember through these first three games, do you remember a pickoff attempt? I
1: don't think I've seen one. There were, um, uh, Hunter Green threw over a couple times today. So
2: Oh, did he? Okay. Okay. uh,
1: And, and in fact, in one at-bat, he threw over twice, and another at-bat, he stepped off one time and threw over again. So, you know, uh, Hunter Green also had a couple pitch clock violations. Today. So, you know, he's going to have to learn to figure it out. I'm interested to see how he progresses through spring because his game is a maximum effort kind of guy that's going to change under these roles. Graham Ashcraft is another one that I'm really interested to see make his spring debut because he is a max effort kind of guy that's going to have to completely change how he does things in order to be successful now at the major league level uh, within the confines of these new new timing rules.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how this all goes because there were reports during pitchers and catchers just doing their uh their bullpen sessions and stuff like that early on in spring training. Hunter Green wanted the clock there cuz he wanted to get ready for this. So, to see how this all evolves, I think it's a good thing that they're doing it in spring training so that they can get the lead out before the games actually count and actually mean for something. But speaking of of all of this and and just real quickly here but i've also noticed this as well that steals are
1: up huh steals are up we've seen it several times through the first three games jonathan india was out there stealing bases i think noelvi Marte stole a base yesterday uh it's it's three so far yeah correct so i think that uh you know major league baseball one of the things they cited with making the bases bigger in addition to player safety is the bases are now closer together uh, it's going to allow for a little bit more activity on the base pass. And so far, the Reds have stepped it up. I think this was something that was missing. You hit on it yesterday. You said, raise your hand if you knew who led the Reds in stolen bases last year. When I watched your show today, I was out here up because I know. I mean, we've talked about it. But, yeah, Nick Senzo was the team leader in stolen bases, and that should tell you everything you need to know about how much the Reds were stealing bases in 2022. So I, I think that that's been a really much needed missing component to the Reds offense. If you're not going to hit a bunch of home runs and you got to play more of an 80s style of baseball, get them on, get them over, get them in, then part of getting them over is stealing bases.
2: And that's definitely going to be palatable, I think, to grow the game and get folks to pay attention to baseball again. So I'm I'm interested to see how this all evolves because it feels like – what they're doing right now and how they're implementing the rules is how they're going to be implemented. It's not like they're doing this and they're going to be like, okay, we'll reassess and all that. Th- this is what they are. And uh, you know what? It's just going to take us diehards a few minutes to get used to all of it. And then I think it's just going to be normal.
1: I agree. It's going to take me and you a minute to catch up, uh, but I'm already getting there Uh, by the end of the season. I think we're all just going to love it and not even notice it very much. At least I'm hoping so. Uh, Listen, Joey Votto's in the news, Jeff. Uh, He has quite the prediction. And if he's right, at least one of us will be going boldly where no one has gone before. We'll tell you what that is and why it's exciting-ish. Coming up next. You can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If it's your first time on YouTube, click subscribe. Also, click the notification bell so that you always are notified when we put up a new episode and when we go live. Uh, a lot of the live episodes, I think, are going to be YouTube exclusives uh, heading into the 2023 season, especially the ones we do as pregame shows, just because their shelf life's a little bit shorter than any of the other episodes we do. So make sure that you've got that notification bell on because you don't want to miss any of those. And in between shows, you can follow Jeff and I and the show on Twitter. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. That's uh, with two F's and you can follow the show at locked on reds. No F's in that. All right. Joey Votto is a just national treasure for two countries for Canada and the United States. I think, uh, he is entertaining. He, in the most recent years has really let his personality show through Jeff and what we've got for our listeners and viewers today. Uh, Clearly, he's letting his personality show through a little bit.
2: Yes. Let me set this up by starting off like this. Space. The final (laughs) frontier. Joey Votto believes that extraterrestrials will arrive on Earth April 15th. The Reds will be 12. It's 12 and 2 at that time, which I like that. And the rest of the planet will learn from, communicate with, and befriend our alien friends a little bit of a, a, a bit of a uh divergence from uh, war of the worlds or independence day or something like that that's the most joey thing ever anyway he continues this process takes five months play resumes in october the reds sweep the playoffs and are world series champs side note the aliens ask if i would like to accompany them to their ship and back to their home planet i oblige never to be seen again
1: and he went <laughs> okay detailed on that one man First of all, this is a response from Joey Votto to Major League Baseball, who bold uh, sent out sent out you know. a, a message on social media platforms saying, "Give us your bold prediction for the 2023 season." And that and it wasn't was even overall; Joey it was just Votto. the NL
2: Central. And Joey's yeah, just like just NL this Central.
1: Joey just went all in on this one. Listen, I love his personality. I love his sense of humor. I think that that's great. Uh, I wonder though. Was this the beginnings of his retirement announcement? Never <laughs> to be seen again? Is that? I was. What? what I, how much do we need to read into that?
2: I was asked this on another bot, another podcast called the OK Baseball Podcast, and <laughs> it was. I was like, you know, that's funny. I hadn't hadn't connected that in my mind. I don't think so. But also, uh, this is obviously just Joey Jonas' quirky side. This is the Twitter version of him putting on a Mountie's costume and going on television and acting like a Mountie. Like well, I mean, aliens befriending people. Like I need some odds
1: on this. I think odds would be like at least plus one hundred fifty well, thousand. Let's, let's see what Fanduel comes out with between now and the start of the season. A couple it'd of be interesting it. to keep an eye on. But listen, uh, it's not the only Joey Votto news out there right now. Uh, Jody's doing. Joey's doing his rehab. He's working on getting into baseball shape. Uh, lots going on there, and some projections. Ca- Zips projections came out uh, for Joey Votto, and you know, you and I learned a long time ago never to doubt joseph daniel Vado, and we are both firm believers that uh, if there's any you know near 40 year old that can come back from this kind of injury and be the comeback player of the year it's joey Votto. but i don't know that zips necessarily agrees with either of us
2: no and and let's take a look at these for our youtube crowd we'll throw it up on the screen for our radio uh, for our audio crowd we will talk about a little bit of this what you're what the youtube crowd is seeing right now is all of the percentile chances that Joey finishes with certain statistics and the reason that they're percentile that means that you know if everything goes right zips projects him to have an OPS plus of 143 and hit 25 home runs but they're saying that if everything goes right that's what he's doing they're also saying if everything goes wrong He's going to have an OPS plus of 63, i.e. basically what Aristides Aquino had last year and hit eight home runs. I don't think that's going to happen either. I don't think either. It's interesting because Steve, what we mentioned when we talked about, you know, Joey Votto being comeback player of the year, we were both saying he hits over 30 home runs. None of these projections say that.
1: They do not. And looking at these numbers and, and and it's interesting seeing it all laid out in grid shape. And Je- Jeff, maybe you can tweet this out for the audio listeners yeah, so definitely. that they can take a look at it um, as they're listening. Uh, head to, to Jeff's Twitter and it's, so it'll be uh, retweeted on the locked on twitter feed as well for you to take a look at it but looking at this you know you and i and our love for joseph daniel said 30 home runs you know maybe we should dial back just because i know how we are let's say he does 20 home runs let's say he falls into this 80th percentile at 80 percent ops plus of 120 uh, a slash line of 258 369 478 that guy could win comeback player of the year and i'm taking
2: that i mean Mm -hmm. you're, you're talking about a guy who's probably we we've we've discussed this before about where he falls in this lineup and he's probably fourth or fifth or something like that. And if you're getting that out of the fourth or fifth spot in the lineup, I think you take that. If you can mm-hmm. get 120 OPS plus out of him, because and there was something else and I didn't pull this off of the article. This is an article that's on fan graphs that had this, had this grid of uh, projections and percentiles and all this other stuff. The zips projection system also went out for the next two years 2024 and 2025 and they said that in 2025 he's projected to hit 204 so we're talking about a guy that zips thinks regression is absolutely going to be a huge factor over the next few years i think zips almost believes he's going to retire after this year because both
1: 2024 and 2025 the numbers were not favorable whatsoever and 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 listen I'm not attacking zips here and I know Jeff's not attacking zips here. No, no, no. Uh, w- they beautiful. just, they don't watch Joey Votto every day like we do. And, 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 and listen, if, if anybody can do this, it's Joey Votto because really Jeff, Joey Votto, as I said, is a national treasure in two countries.
2: Exactly. And that is how we will end today's podcast. Thank you everybody for checking out today's On reds coming up tomorrow. What is the most important position battle? this spring for the Reds? We'll give you our answer. But thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball just like Locked On Reds everywhere you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Locked On Fantasy Baseball is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day, Steve, spring training games have begun. We're already starting to see some position battles take shape a little bit. And we still have Joseph Daniel Vado to get into a spring training game because he's still hurt. Same with Nick Senzel.
1: So, what's that mean for you and me? That means you and I are going to be locked in on these spring training games. We're going to be locked in on the player performances, the rumors, the transactions, not only for the Reds, but the rest of the league as we watch to see moves that the Reds could make. Because at the end of the day, we're going to report back to our listeners and our viewers and keep them locked on Reds every single day.
0: Final. Hey, Prime members.